Hello, I'm Stan. I'm Everett. And welcome back to Six Fists. Today we're going to talk about money. That little green thing that's little in my wallet, blah, blah, blah. Yes, but not so little in the hearts of America. Yeah. Yeah, and we got prompted to talk about this because the Underground Association president is kind of in a hole because she spent a lot of money that she wasn't supposed to. To the tune of $7,000 that she wasn't supposed to spend, plus the original 5000 that people aren't really sure she should have spent in the first place. On top of the 12000 that she spent unauthorizedly. Though well, well, that's what legally. I mean. Yeah. Because uh, it, it was a $5,000 account. No, it was a... She... She spent. She authorized twelve thousand dollars to be spent on the Lil B concert. Yeah, so Lil B came to MIT a while ago in November, and uh, I thought, oh, that's like really random. really random. Yeah, but all right, I didn't know that Lil B would come to MIT of his own initiative. Yeah, well, turns it, out we paid him a yeah. It wasn't his own initiative. Some guy was posing as a member of the Black State Union. I, posing is the wrong word. He wasn't officially a member. He had just signed up on their booth at the activities fair and he claimed he was a member he approached the ua president and said that he wanted to have will be come to mit but they needed more money for that the president signed off on it taking money out of i don't actually know where um the tech did a story on it um and says a little bit more about that stuff so you can go read that if you want to but that um decision to spend money was completely unauthorized she did not consult anybody and she just signed off on that twelve thousand dollars twelve thousand dollars is gone and now they're taking a look at her other accounts and they she has access to this thing called the bush fund that is supposedly for um the ua president undergrad association president to spend out as their own discretionary fund and she spent six thousand seven hundred thousand dollars out of that but how she spent that money is questionable and it might look like it's embezzlement. No one really knows at this point. There, There's some internal stuff going on that you'll have to just wait and hear about later. But I think it's embezzlement. <laughs> so, yeah, it, yeah, it's definitely in that gray area. But yeah, uh, more to the point, mm-hmm. what is the situation of money like at MIT? I mean, so this has been the case since like before I even was admitted to MIT or actually before I was even thinking about applying, is uh, MIT is sometimes included with uh, Ivy League schools and stuff like that. It's like one of those places where like a lot of rich people go. Um, one of those rarefied places with like a bunch of people wearing, you know, the track jackets and having the preppy attitudes and things like that. And eh, not really sure if that's the case. Right. I mean, there are stories that you hear at MIT. I think there was a story I heard a couple of years ago about this one girl who got into MIT and her backstory was that her parents had bought her an airplane assembly kit. Not like an airplane model, but like an actual like build yourself a tiny like aircraft kit. Wow. And that and she developed engineering skills by doing that and designing stuff. Oh my and God. that's one of the reasons she got an MIT. Wow. And the first thing I thought of is just no way in hell my parents could have afforded that ever. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. mean, to be fair, there's a story of the guy who got the nuclear reactor who he made, he made a nuclear reactor actually at home. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. MIT denied him. Right. So like it is no guarantee that if you have the money to do cool things like that. And really um, and we'll probably talk about this later, but it's not really a, a matter of like the big, huge things that like can be done with the money mm-hmm. that you sort of uh, are born into, but like the smaller things. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's sort of a good focal point of like, holy shit, that's really awesome, and I could never afford to do that yeah. ever. I mean, what is the actual situation like? I, if you either know us or have seen uh, some of the earlier episodes, you probably get you probably know that like Stan. And I are not like rich or anything, <laughs> like not yeah. even close. Yeah. Um. Like I'm a biologist, dude. I do not make a lot of money. <laughs> like, I mean, well, really, what's what's more important right now is uh, how much money your parents make. You know, what sort of financial situation are they in? Because like, I think at this point in our lives, most of us are poor on our yeah. own, by our own rights. Mm-hmm. Like, we're probably not making very much money. Um. Like, even the people that you know are getting the huge internships and stuff, those internships make a lot of money for internships. Right, but 
there are definitely especially depending on the industry that you go into and i think this often gets inflated because when living costs are hmm? actually living costs are actually like oh really yeah huge. living costs if, if you're actually going to go to san francisco and work your cost of living is super duper high thanks to silicon valley Oof. Um, yeah but more more to the point of you can see that people yeah, getting paid like 100k something right out of graduation um but that's a select people going into mostly software development most people who graduate here make a lot more modest amounts of money i mean yeah when you say modest <laughs> there's like a certain like because i think that like what is the average it's like when you come out of MIT, it's average like is like 60 70 yeah, yeah. at least for engineering it's around which, 70, which is a lot yeah. of money as a starting because like you yeah. very quickly like your uh, the money you make very quickly increases is like fifty percent in the first five years. Or oh something. yeah, yeah, it's like a huge amount. So, um, and I just threw that out of my ass. So please do not quote me. It's like around that area, but like, <laughs> um, I mean, sure, you come out of MIT and you are significantly more likely to be making a good amount of money mm-hmm. in like the next few years of your life, unless you go into academia, um, than you would be otherwise. While you're here, like you know, that doesn't really matter because right. you're still a student. Um, so the more important thing is like how much support your parents can give you. Right. Um, and for me, that support is like almost non-existent. I mean, even for a lot of middle class people, that's relatively non-existent also. So because, that's the thing because yeah. student loans are terrible and like tuition is also terrible. Mm-hmm. Like um, MIT is a little better about this than like a lot of places are though. Let's talk about that now, actually. Okay. Uh, before we get into the uh, sort of like yeah, rich people, poor people, privileged thing. Student loans, student loans, and uh, financial aid work really strangely. Yeah, the numbers that you see are a little misleading. Yes. Yeah. So Harvard, Harvard's number is what something like about three fourths of their students get financial aid or yeah, something like that. Like that. But the thing that is usually, like, one fails to mention is that if your parents make under, like, $200,000 in income or some very large number, then you qualify for financial aid. Right. So almost everybody who goes to Harvard gets financial aid. And, in fact, it's actually quite uh, quite significant that 25% of people who go to Harvard have parents who make over $200,000 a year. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. Right. There's, like, these things that you have to know before, like, you buy into the statistics. Um, otherwise, you can, like, run away very much in assumptions uh, about these kinds of things. Um, yeah, so to, to interject a little bit, um, I actually just pulled up the MIT facts page, web.bit.edu slash facts.faqs, and these numbers are actually a little more reliable because I've seen, I've definitely seen some literature um, that says 70% some 70% of students get financial aid, but that financial aid also includes the loan package that they give you, right? And this number here, it says in tw- from 2013 to 2014, there were 32% of students that attended tuition-free and 56% were awarded the need-based scholarship. That scholarship does not necessarily cover tuition. So, yes. Yeah, and because that num- the number for tuition-free was obviously lower, and the average... Um, Need-based financial aid award was about thirty-five thousand. The cost, the total cost of attending here, tuition plus room and board, and room and board includes some other random expenses, is about fifty-nine, fifty-eight thousand. Yeah, yeah. So it's about sixty thousand dollars to live here, mm-hmm. and um, I'm in like decent shape. Like you know, my parents make okay amount of money, um, mid fifties, uh, which is enough to not live a shit life but like mm-hmm. we don't have a house or anything and never did right um the thing is that like uh i still have to pay student loans i uh don't have any tuition in terms of like they they don't literally charge me money um but i still have to pay i still had to sign off on loans and things like that and that's that's one of the things is that like um a lot of people will count you attending school as being fully covered when in fact what it means is that like you can't the gap between uh the scholarship that you get and the amount of money you need to pay tuition is covered by the federal student loan by the like allowances that you have in federal student loans which is like some amount of money depending on how much money your parents make it also depends on the year you are in school you can take out more ah yeah uh, as you go on Mm -hmm. you can take out more i thought less 
Not really? anymore. Really? Yeah. Interesting. But the the thing is that um, it is never phrased to you in such a way. Like I was told, oh yeah, it's free if you make under this amount of money, right? If like your parents make under this amount of money, and I was like, oh, awesome. Um, but in reality, it's not. Um, mm-hmm. you sort of just get wrecked. Right. Um, Though there was that story that came out a couple weeks ago that Stanford raised that number. Yeah, they yeah. Ra- they raised a the number by like 25k yeah. to 125k. Right. Um and people were like, "Whoa, Stanford raised their price to 125k." But that's the thing is that like when they say that they usually mean what we're going to do is we're going to have that window um be smaller for people. Mm-hmm. Um so that like you can take out government loans, like subsidized government loans and still cover uh what is going on mm-hmm. um with everything else. I mean, like, the thing is, is that, like, I actually uh, got owned pretty hard <laughs> money-wise. So, yeah, I actually did not. I actually had a gap of about, like, $7,000 mm-hmm. starting this year. Um, and, and the reason for this was that I had to pay for my housing. Um, and my parents, so my mother made just enough money that she had to file taxes last year. Uh. She works part-time and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So when she filed taxes and she reported her income, my financial aid dropped by like a few thousand dollars. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus I had to pay for housing. So right. um I had to take out loans and seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars is more than the amount of government subsidized loans that I could take out. So I take out unsubsidized loans. Those mm-hmm. gather interest while I'm in school. Right. I kind of want to go to graduate school. So by the time I come out of graduate school in about uh, two plus five years, mm-hmm. hopefully seven years. Yeah. That's seven years of interest at about 5%. Yeah, and we pay interest on our student loans, which is really stupid, mm-hmm. period, but that's a thing you do. Um, I think that's, that's well, federal. those are on the federal unsubsidized loan, right? So that's like, oh, there's still, yeah. there's still interest in the subsidized well, loans. Well, there's still, yeah, but it you doesn't just, accrue until after you, you graduate. graduate. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is an American thing. It's mm-hmm. fairly uncommon for student loans to be taxed especially taxed at a rate much higher than inflation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, compared to any other loan you can get, that's pretty low. Yeah, so, yeah. so there's, there's a few sad. things there's a few things that uh, I think are worth mentioning because I realize that a lot of people actually don't know these things. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, you can never discharge your student loans. The only event, well, okay, there's, there's several events, but mm-hmm. the only likely event mm-hmm. that you could ever, uh, dis- that everybody could take to discharge your student loans is to die. Yeah. Um, your dis- your student loans are discharged when you die or if you uh, are severely physically handicapped in a way that makes it impossible for you to ever get work again. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also ways to, uh, if you are teaching in a public school, yeah, I was uh, after say. a certain amount of years, you can get your stuff discharged. I think there's like a military thing. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're a public servant or you're a school teacher, I think it's like some, somewhere in the ballpark of like three to five years, something like that. Then you yeah. can get the rest of your balance discharged because when they set up your payment plan, they set it up on a 10-year mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So, and um, there's there's also like different you can sign up for different payment plans and you can apply for like income based repayment stuff like that so there's definitely ways to make it work if you're not making that much money but yes, in is... general to get to get it um to have a loan canceled i think is the term that's bad um wait yeah. what do you mean like if you if you essentially say that i can't pay the loan even oh. on like the income based thing and you've tried everything then you can apply to have it um have it canceled oh for financial hardship yeah i don't know how hard that is probably well, that's the equivalent, of, that's the equivalent of declaring bankruptcy i mean i don't think yeah. that that actually has any like negative impact on your credit though um it's just like Damn. it's straight up criminal for them to because the see the thing is, is that because you can't discharge the loans you got to pay that back right and the government will do whatever they can to get this money back Mm-hmm. So if you cannot pay the loan, mm-hmm. then what they'll do is they'll begin to do what's called garnishing your wages, which is that literally is just taking your money. Mm-hmm. Um, they will just take money off of the top of your Paycheck. paychecks. Mm-hmm. And if you had so little money that you were already very concerned about paying student loans, this probably would just screw you over. Right. It's uh, a very, very terrible situation mm-hmm. um, for people who actually don't make enough money. And are actually living paycheck to paycheck. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, so to be fair, uh, the average student loan is actually less than people generally intimate it being. Uh, my understanding is that somewhere in like the mid-30s, which is still a lot of money to borrow to go to school. Um, 
But a lot of people make it sound like, you know, people are literally... Average student loan debt for those who borrowed 19000 19000 Oh, yep. wow. That's much higher than, you know, what I said. So there you go. Um, so the thing, the thing is, is that um, you do have those standout people who get lied to, right, by, like, mm-hmm. you know, for-profit schools and things like that. And they take out incredibly massive amounts of loans, and then they can't pay it back because they, you know, just aren't making any money. And, like, you know, these are groups of people who tend to be not so good with money in the first place. So they right. are, in effect, getting exploited. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I suppose you can say, like, you know, I don't care, their fault. But, I don't know, I think uh, I think the general thing is that there's always going to be people who, like, don't know how to money, right? Right. Like, for various reasons, perhaps probably because they haven't, they never had money in the first place. Well, so can you really know. expect a somebody in the college age bracket to perfectly know how to do money right and i mean yeah. usually your parents right uh i mean like you have to understand that like a lot of these people are not college age in the right. sense that we think of it a lot of these people are older mm-hmm. um and they get advertised to by these companies itt tech and i call them companies not like institutions right. universities because they're companies mm-hmm. um like itt tech university of phoenix uh f- i heard full sale is also kind of bad mm-hmm. um and they get told, yeah, you know, like, begin your life, you know, get, you know, this degree and you can suddenly get all these jobs that you couldn't get before. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, man, I'm going to take all these, you know, loans out to get this degree from here. But everybody actually knows what's up with those places. Right. So when you say that you got a degree from there, they're like, wow, I'm not fucking hiring you. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's kind of unfortunate. There's like a way that they sort of uh, marshal that rhetoric mm-hmm. around, you know, getting a degree is necessary for you to get a job because... It is. <laughs> so right. you don't have a degree. You need to get one. Take out a bunch of loans. Um, and, you know, they'll avoid mentioning the money stuff, and they'll just, like, dodge the issue as much as possible to make sure that people don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. right? And they'll give them, like, you know, an MPN a permissory note for a right. loan, and they'll you just say, like, yeah, don't worry about the terms. I'll explain it to you. Right. And then you can sign it, yeah. right? And then they lie. <laughs> right. Yeah, you should. You read the terms to those things, definitely. Yeah. Like, there's like online stuff uh, where like so if you if you're getting uh, federal aid, there's literally like a whole bunch of stuff you need to fill out. Anybody yeah. who's in college now knows what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Um, but if you aren't getting federal financial aid, which is like a thing that a lot of these institutions do, is they say like, don't worry about the federal aid. You can get this deal mm-hmm. from like this company or something like that, and you don't need to worry about like uh, you know the loans. Yeah, no, you should always follow FAFSA. But yeah. um. I don't even know. Does the FAFSA work with for credit institute for profit institutions? I think so. Uh, I think it does. Probably. I mean, you're you're still an accredited student. You right. are a nationally accredited student, which is right. very different from being regionally accredited. Yeah, but I, I guess that counts. Yeah, anyone anyone who's a student and and can list their occupation as a student can apply, can file a FAFSA and get um and get federal aid. Yeah, yeah. but so the thing is that um. A lot of schools just do not do need-based aid, by the way. Mm-hmm. They just don't have the money <laughs> to right. do this. Mm-hmm. And so what will happen is, you know, a lot of people in my income bracket and lower, and there's plenty of people lower than that, mm-hmm. you basically have two choices. Either you go to a state school and right. you know, it's manageable debt and you maybe get a job. That's, like, pretty respectable, mm-hmm. right? Or you go to an elite institution and they pay for most of your education. Right. You do not go in the middle, middle. Yeah. because then you are fucked. Mm-hmm. Like, let me put it this way. I also applied to the Florida Institute of Technology, which is like, you know, in Melbourne, Melbourne, Florida. And uh, they gave me a $18,000, what is it, merit award mm-hmm. f- towards my, uh, towards tuition. And tuition there is $50,000. Okay. That's, and it, it's yeah. like... So what, where are you going to come up with the other thirty two? I don't know. They didn't yeah. know either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As long as I came up with it, they didn't care. And, you know, that was the thing was that like... When I saw that, I was like, "Oh hell no!" <laughs> like, it, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, basically, it's like a little predatory how this, how this, how this is right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, if you look at the situation with like the funding of like universities and stuff like that, it's actually really objectively terrible. There's a lot of stuff with how uh, certain people who are not professors are getting paid serious amounts of money to do not a lot of things. Yeah, um, that's a gripe for another time. Mm-hmm. Where we were maybe, you know, we are a little more well-informed and have more ammunition of data to hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not easy for anybody right now. Sure. Things are hard um, for people who are not, you know, business people. 
Um, oh, yeah. It's kind of a bad situation. So it's it's very hard to point fingers really at like any single group of people when you when you think about like wow this is like a pretty shitty situation and I didn't know student loans were this bad right. and they are more terrible than like we have intimated here. <laughs> it's important that like research is done by you or something like that and you sort of understand that this is a problem that there's like sort of many groups of people you can like mm-hmm. point the finger at and like blame a little bit for the situation being so terrible. But the um, point is that you just you need to do your own research and pick what's best for you and not just let people tell you what is because you can most likely find a better option somewhere, especially with um you might also if you are applying to financial to um college and getting financial aid and stuff, you might want to take a you and your parents might want to take a look at how they file some of their stuff because that will matter in certain in certain ways, like one of the reasons I got financial aid and stopped getting some financial aid is because, well, I stopped getting some financial aid because my dad got a different job and he got like a 20% raise. And that was a significant chunk of change. Uh, yes. Yeah. That, that happened. Um, but one of the reasons I was able to get more money out of financial aid was when I was freshman was because my mom was actually actually had just founded a business and she wrote off some expenses on that and since the business was making no profit she got a tax break so (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so that 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 was helpful and that made it more affordable to me and it does for you too depending on um where your assets are and stuff i've heard of other stories about stuff like that yeah so so, i mean like a lot of people were very concerned about their loans nonetheless um people Nowadays, you know, people make very practical decisions. I intimated this before, but it's sort of, uh, you know, now the case is, like, because of the way loans work and because of the expectations sort of tied to, like, you need to get a degree, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, to get a job. That's how people look at university now. Um, but it's not just you, it's not just that you need to get a degree to get a job. You need to get a degree that gets you a job. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. And so people tend to think practically more often than not with their majors. And I mean, okay. So honestly, like a lot of the the uh, public opinion about like how people with certain degrees turn out over time is like, eh, mm. kind of like it, it doesn't entirely fit reality. Um, and most people coming from, okay, so coming from a place like MIT, to be fair, like, we'll do fine no matter what you major in. This is Mm -hmm. not true of a lot of other places. Yeah. But there are definite statistics scattered all over the place, um, like, that generally corroborate each other that, uh, give you some idea of, uh, you know, what, what, how much money, like, people with a given degree tend to make on average X years out. Mm -hmm. Um, and... You know, uh, the people you expect to be on the top are generally on the top. Right. Petroleum engineering, computer science. Yeah. Although that's been going down over time. Chemical engineering, those things. Mm-hmm. But also, like, certain things that you would not expect to be, like, kind of up there or there, like philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, English is actually not especially terrible. Actually, the worst ones tend to be uh, very, like, uh, service-based. Yeah. Like, social work. Mm-hmm. Right? That kind of thing. Like, uh, those degrees tend to make very little money because here in America we don't value people who do those things. But well, I think it's it's part of that and also part of our problem of going to a school that offers that is not necessarily the best decision. Um, yeah, to not learn not the skills in that and companies and um, government bodies that hire people to do things like social work, they will tend to look at people who have the skills and might have had a different degree like an English degree or something like that, and they take them over somebody who had a specific degree in social work. Yeah, right. because the thing is that, like, um, this is sort of the opposite of, like, what, what you get with, like, a lot of uh, other things is that, like, if you get on-the-job tra- training at your institution um, and you, you know, get a job related to that thing, mm-hmm. there is a significant possibility that you learned wrong. Yeah. Um, And, you know, companies do not want to take the risk of having to train you out of a thing while also training you into the thing. Yeah, it's Screw much that. easier to treat train somebody from a nebulous state to zero. That's why when you graduate, you can kind of pick whatever you want as long as you have some interest in it, some in to get there. You can, there's a lot of different ways you can go with a multitude of different majors. Um, like, you know, I'd say you're thinking one of the reasons that Nicholas major is something you might not ex- expect in air quotes to be at the top is because those people just kind of go off and do some of their own thing. They do some random 
things and they make money doing that and they do themselves just fine more so on average than these people who I mean get the special stuff. it's certainly a thing where um there isn't sort of like a set thing lined out path in oh front yeah of you. Mm-hmm. um you sort of have to find a job right. and because the market is shit um mm-hmm. and has been for the last like five or six years um plus the thing is, is that, you know, a lot of people will take this to be like, oh, you know, it sucks, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, you don't have a set group of people that you apply to, so you can spend, like, months with no job. Right. Um, because, like, you don't know what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Once you figure it out, there's, you got to find places that, like, hire for that. And you probably aren't going to make that much money no matter which first job you get. Um, so what do you do? And that is a time of serious uncertainty now, especially because people do view, you know, getting, getting a degree as being like, you know, oh, I'm going to have a career after this. So when you graduate and there is no career in front of you, <laughs> sort of like, what do I do? Well, now? what you just said, you, you really do have to put forth the effort and make that for yourself. It's not going to just be straight in front of you. And I think some people do get thrown for a loop on this because when you went to high school college was kind of right in front of you and even some people from college go to grad school or med school that's kind of right in front of you but if you decide not to go down that route then or if yeah. you get rejected from everywhere that yeah you right there I is mean, a non-zero number right. of people whom this happens to yeah um i mean frankly if you're going to mit or something like that kind of unlikely that it will happen to you but unlikely it happens to people your, depending on how you apply to schools and, and where or, you apply to, yeah, yes. where some some people are a little too confident sometimes, and yeah, that happens, and they need to figure out what else to do. But you figure it out, and you roll with what you got, right? Yeah. So, uh, bringing it back a little bit to just at MIT, like, do you do you actually feel like that people do choose their majors based on what is practical? Because I've known a couple of people who have, and I. I've gotten mixed responses from them, and I also find it interesting that there's a new petition for a theater arts major um, that's about to ah, um, yes. go in front of the go in front of the um, faculty. So that's that really I'm, odd because I don't, I find that really interesting. I, I don't wonder really how know. Pass. I mean, my yeah. concern is that I uh, so I know about twenty uh, one M, which is the the, the yeah. music and theater arts, uh-huh. um, and. Uh, I'm not really sure if there are enough theater arts classes for there to be a major. There's already enough for a... There's obviously enough for a minor. Right, but um, there's not... What I'm saying is that there's not really enough to have it be the case. Like, I think that if they had a theater arts major, you'd probably just have to take all the theater arts classes that are available (laughs) right now to get the major. Which I suppose isn't too crazy because... uh, So, I mean, my major, my primary major is comparative media studies and... Uh, when that first became, you know, an undergraduate major, it was a graduate major first. It was a graduate degree first, uh, master's. When that was a thing, at first, uh, like, half the classes were literature classes, mm-hmm. like, explicitly. Um, and some of them have moved over, some of them have not since then. Um, so I guess it's not that out of the ordinary, but I, right. I would like to see what their course plan is. Yeah. I didn't know about that. I don't think they've released the course plan yet. Mm. All I saw was that it was on the agenda for the faculty meeting to have it be considered. I don't think I don't know if they're voting on it yet. Mm. What is that email like a week ago? Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, keep keep going. Yeah, no, I was just I was just saying that oh. I I don't feel like I know a ton of people that choose their major specifically because it's practical, and I think I they're going to make a lot of money out of it. I know I've known people who like it their major in the end and they think that oh that was fine but i also know people who overtly while they were in all of their undergrad said that i really didn't want to do this major and my parents kind of you know nudged me into it so i'm going to finish it and that causes people a lot of stress right yeah um i mean so we had this discussion way back in the day now um seems like so long ago when we were talking about course six, uh, yeah. EECS, and we mentioned that it seems like kind of the default for a lot of people. Right. Like people just, you know, do it because it's like, I don't know what I'm going to major in. I guess course six. Uh. Um, and some people just walk through course six like that. Right. Right. And, you know, there's not really much of a problem. Like I wouldn't have minded staying course six mm-hmm. myself. Like I, I wanted to be course six. I wanted to make games. 
Then I took the intro course to intro class to course six, mm-hmm. and that is a terrible class. It's horrible, and I dropped it mm-hmm. like very close to the end because I was like, "Fuck this class." Um, yeah. So let's let's but, let's let's sit around and talk about um, six six oh one is the class he's referring to the intro to CECS and just about money in general in course six because course six does do the interesting thing where you can be the super Europe and uh, yeah. you can get paid to do your research and you get credit for it most departments they make you either get paid or you get credit for it so i mean uh the super europe is basically our department has so much money that we can do this thing for you Mm -hmm. um and i mean course six has a lot of money because they have so many students um, and much of the interest in MIT is, in fact, you know, motivated by... A lot of corporate sponsors, too. A lot of what, yeah, yeah. right, mm-hmm. uh, is motivated by a lot of what has been, you know, going on uh, with MIT and technology since the internet, before that, <laughs> way before that. Um, really, some people here that sort I've of started with, with our involvement yeah. in World War One, right? There like, are some people was... here that I've interacted with that were around during the dot com bubble and made a shit ton of cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, if you thought Bitcoin was crazy, man, back then. Anyway, so like, <laughs> well, where I, where I was going with that is that um, the Super Europe pays you fifteen some dollars an hour. What? So that's one point five times what a year. Yeah, pays I, I you, know. By the this way. is this is the raised rate from the um from the regular um research um assistant salary. Your op is undergraduate research opportunity. Um lets you work in a lab and the the standard rate for that in all other it's departments. It's not always a lab depending on what which department you're working yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So I, I say lab represent I, I, I say lab a lot because that's where I work in a lab. Um but you could be sitting in an office and doing research um you could so. be sitting in a common area filming a movie in second class yes yes <laughs> you fun. can yes you can there's Too a lo- lot of different places where research can take place anyway the standard rate um for a super europe is 15 dollars an hour and they also pay their undergraduate tas a lot of money like 23 dollars an hour 23 yeah something like that um i don't have a I don't have a citation for that figure. Um, I'm going off of what my friend told me, who is an undergraduate TA. Um, but yeah, it's excess of twenty some dollars an hour, and six hundred one has these TA, he has these lab assistants um, who are undergrads who then are taking the class, and then they dis- the instructors at some point decide that. These people are too good for the class, and so they become lab assistants, so, and they get credit for. The I class. feel like I need. I feel like I need to say this. Um, you don't just yeah. become a lab assistant. Yeah. Basically, what happens is you just you do the work, but you help people with the labs during the actual class. So you do the labs early, and then you help people with the labs uh-huh. when they come in to do the lab, yeah. and you get paid for it. But you still take the tests. Yeah. And so uh, the thing is that um, so for one, they really really hate. To allow people to pass through six hundred one without taking the class, uh-huh. because they want to weed people out. Mm-hmm. That's the only conceivable reason I can imagine for this. Yeah. I can't really think of anything else. And Maybe so- it's because like a lot of people would just skip it, yeah. right? Like if that happened, if they allowed people to ASE it, mm-hmm. um, advanced standing exam, you yeah. you take an exam uh, before like the semester, and then they right. give you credit for the class if you pass it. Um, people would probably just like in droves just skip it. Mm. Um, and it would maybe take the sort of, uh, people would, might start talking about it. Like they talk about, um, 1801, which is calculus one, which 10% of MIT students take. Mm -hmm. Um, most people come in with, with credit from AP calculus, even, um, 1802, the second calculus class, um, which is also required for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people just skip it um, or have credit. You got these people who already know everything in the class, basically, taking the exams mm-hmm. and um they say the average on the exams is usually a 70 so we're not mm-hmm. going to curve the class at all right because you know the average score is usually a 70 when you have these people who could probably just skip the class taking the exam right and so i think that one of the things that's interesting about this is i'm not actually sure if they get paid or not by the way and if what the la's the under the undergraduate la's who are taking i'm pretty sure they credit. get paid okay yeah well, Either either way, the amount of the amount of money you get paid is really not comparable to what 
you the amount of effort that you put into the class certainly my friend who is an undergrad ta was actually very much complaining about this that she was putting in like 30 some hours a week into the job but she only got paid for 10 because that's what the policy is yeah and there's an interesting argument to be made here about why does mit kind of exploit us like that yeah i mean because it can and we let it that's really like how all these things work right yeah like you're like oh man i can get money and be a ta and then you get bogged down in it and you're like wow i just spent all this time and i'm not getting paid very much and a lot of people and it's like you can't quit you quit in the middle of the whole thing and like well, i mean it certainly happened before i mean yes but like I see a TA got fired before yeah but it's very sudden and it does not bode well for you yeah. it doesn't look good for you it doesn't it look does good not. Mm-hmm. it's kind of an unfortunate situation but it happens right but yeah course six is is like the default major and i mean i feel like a lot of people don't really mind whatever like mm-hmm. and I, I think that's okay but like there are definitely people who choose their majors eh, a little bit ignoring the sort of uh I guess, like, usefulness or, like, clear-cut path thing. And, like, a lot of these people do just fine. Like, right. CMS is a lot like that. You know, there is a number of people who just major in CMS. Like, not very many, but a few every year. And they usually actually do okay. Mm-hmm. Actually, they, they usually go to graduate school, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, it's really not that much of a big deal. Like, at MIT, the practical decision is also the popular decisions. So at MIT, it's really just not much of, like, an argument. <laughs> like, people don't really, like, uh, agonize over it too much because it's like, whatever, I'll just be course 6. Right. Or course 10, chemical engineering. Or course 2, mechanical engineering. Because I'll probably make a good amount of money in any of these positions. And like, people don't question your choices. Your parents won't question your choices either if you pick one of those majors. People will question your choices if you are a humanities major. Oh, so good. So many times I told people, yeah, I made your CMS. And they say, just CMS? And it sort of implied, like, why would you do that? That major don't right. make no money kind of thing. And, yeah. I mean, part of it is because people at MIT hate the humanities because they're not <laughs> right. very good at writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, that sounds a little mean, right? Like, it, you know, when I say that, you know, every time I feel a little bit like, damn, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm a little fool of myself. But then I read people's essays, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of like, ugh. Right. Yeah, so it's, in, I mean, that's, like, okay, right? Like, you know, if you go to a school where, like, a lot of people are, you know, very well known for its humanities, whatever the hell, you're probably not going to have that many people who are, like, especially good at math. Like, <laughs> you know, people are probably going to generally have a negative attitude towards right. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's fine, but I think I'm allowed to complain every once in a while. Um, yeah, I think you are. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm I'm always of the view that... You should be able to make money doing what you like to do, and you're going to be more likely to try and make money doing what you like to do if you pick something that you enjoy. So I always support if you want to do a major that maybe is not, you know, known for um, making the most money ever, that you should just do it anyway, because that's because you're otherwise not going to. It's important to have a backup all. plan. Yeah. Uh, this is super important to mention with respect to graduate school, just as an aside, mm-hmm. um, because like the stuff I've generally seen is like, yeah, you're pretty screwed if you can't get a job mm-hmm. in academia um, after coming out of graduate school, if that was what your plan was. Um, you know, for many people, there is not really an option otherwise mm-hmm. uh, that they can see, like straight out of the gate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's important to have a backup plan, a set of skills that you uh, work on acquiring on your own. Um, and then maybe, you know, you have to complete that if mm-hmm. things don't turn out how you want because there's some sort of, like, you know, hoops you got to jump through, but at least you started, right? right? Um, it's well, it's good to have those skills built up. Well, I think you should have those type of skills um, even if you are going into a high-growth industry or whatever because I think that just makes you a more complete person that has more things to do than just their job. I mean, yeah, yeah but, like, not every, you know, hobbies makes you employable. <laughs> like, I like to play games, but nobody's going to hire me to play games. Right. Well, okay, Well, except, like, QA and testing, but yeah, hell yeah. no. Right. No, thank you. Um, bug reports. Reproduce the bug 50 times. Yeah. yeah. Then write, like, you know, three pages that they're not going to read about how exactly you did it. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. Like, re- so how does this, like, play out, like, you know, every day, like, here at least? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, well, uh. You don't really. 
on the day-to-day, I mean, I don't really see a ton of tension between people who, you know, come in with a lot of money or are making a lot of money and people who aren't. We're pretty a mixed bag most of the time. But that does not mean that the issues aren't there, that they don't come up, right? I mean, so it's important to remember, so I'm a... I come from a household that is a, a little bit less well off than stands. So my general quality of life when I was at home was like a little less than maybe what stands used to. I don't know, actually. I, but like, I notice... My quality of life is impeded because I live in a really boring town. <laughs> I, I notice like once every like, you know, few yeah. days or something, like someone will make a comment or say something. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, how can you actually think this? Usually it's a sort of a thing where like, you know, people are saying like, I don't understand why, you know, poor people do this or why they do that. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, uh, right. Yeah. And look, I'm by no means like, you know, poverty, poor. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, my life has been there yeah. <laughs> enough times that I can give you an idea of why people would make like a lot of these decisions. And they're really not a product of like, lazy or stupid like Mm -hmm. um surely there are lazy and stupid (laughs) poor people but then there are lazy and stupid rich people as well um and a lot of the time like the kind of decisions that sort of trap you in that area and keep you trapped right are sort of like natural human emotions that everybody feels you know or just people strictly lying to you or discriminating against you for whatever reason or you just grow up with certain beliefs because your family has always been poor and, you know. And that doesn't really translate over to when you have money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Most of my family has had some issues with this You, also. you never yeah. learn how to, mm-hmm. like, deal with money growing right. up poor because you just didn't have any, right? Yeah. So, like, a lot of people will get money and then, like, totally ruin it mm-hmm. or spend it very poorly. Um, those kinds of things. Um, and it's definitely noticeable when that happens. And it happens often enough to annoy me. <laughs> But it's really not as bad as, like, I hear, well, it's not as bad as the stereotype about Harvard is or places like that. Yeah. I don't go to Harvard, so I can't actually tell you what it is like at Harvard. But I will tell you that, like, you do not see people, like, talking about, like, ski trips or how their daddy bought them a $500,000, car, mm-hmm. $500,000 like, summer yeah. house as a present for getting all A's or something. Right. Something or how, you know, they crashed their car and that really sucks because now their dad is going to get mad at them for crashing the car. And get them a slightly less expensive car yeah. as a replacement. Yeah. So it's it, that doesn't happen that often. I think people at, at MIT, there's like a sense of scale about things. People Plus, people don't like to talk about themselves that much. Um, I think it's part of part of it is because everybody is really busy with work. Right. Like at Harvard, there there is a lot of work, and it's like a different kind of work though, mm-hmm. because you do the work there is kind of like a schmoozing, like yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, developing connections for the future kind mm-hmm. of work. So you spend a lot of time like being yeah. around other people, and frankly, trying to make yourself probably look richer or better off than you actually are. Right. Right. Which is where like part of it comes from. At MIT, it's just like you do a bunch of work. I feel like, like the you... only time I really see times when I really saw times when I was an undergrad when people had more money than me was I would be sitting around doing my work and someone would walk in with something that looked like super nice and expensive, and I just think in my head like you just bought that like just because you could. Yeah, <laughs> think that yeah. seems really foreign to me. I mean, yeah. See, the thing is, like, uh, coming from a household that makes like half the money you heard or something like that like mm-hmm. that happens to me much more often than it does to you yeah because at first you know i was i was i was here and you know i was uh you know in our fraternity house and you know i would see people just like buy a tv or something yeah or have like all this stuff and furniture in their rooms and i'm like how the fuck do you afford this if you're a student right where do you get the money for this i mean now it's understandable like if i wanted to get the right jobs actually i probably could afford it too mm-hmm. but i didn't understand at the time i just thought you know like fucking rich people right that's <laughs> not that's not um entirely how that works um right. because like you know uh, people can get fairly lucrative internships coming out of mit uh-huh. um or while in mit mm-hmm. that make like multiple thousands of dollars like yeah like six to twelve k like there are 12k internships over like for the summer the summer yeah. that people get um and again it's mitigated by the fact that like in san francisco your you know money you get paid is funny money yeah like literally rent for like a one bedroom is like over a thousand dollars like which is completely ludicrous wait a thousand is low like, like yeah, it's like, like what are you low. talking about? Like, like it's like like three thousand, depending wait. on where you are. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, yeah. But like you know, 
craft hole place that like you know you're living in because you're a student and can't afford anything better is like in the like thousands area like, mm-hmm. um to give you a sense of perspective i come from uh, i'm from florida um jacksonville florida where the cost of living is actually somewhat low mm-hmm. and we live in a two-bedroom apartment that is pretty spacious mm-hmm. for being a two-bedroom apartment and the rent is about 850 dollars a month <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. it's a significant gap between. Yeah, yeah. No, one of my friends who she went to go work in Texas and she kept on telling us how she got a two bedroom. Um, I think it was more close to like a townhouse like type of thing. Wow. Uh, two bedroom that for eleven hundred a month, and we were just like, "Screw you!" <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was just like um. Um, my, my rent is cheaper um, than some of my other friends, but I have friends who pay currently like, you know, ten fifty a month for a room in a two bedroom apartment. Right? Yeah. 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 So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not as good as people think that it is, but it's also not as bad. There's a little bit of a leveling going on, especially because most people at MIT major in these things that, yeah. you know, tend to get you internships that make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the thing is that, like, a lot of people at MIT don't actually get internships that make a lot of money. Right. And a lot of people don't ever do research. I think something like, what's the percentage of, of people. people who do a Europe period? Like It's like nine, It's like 80-something. 80 80-something. 80 yeah. Which means that one-fifth of all people, like, never do a mm-hmm. Europe anyway, right? Yeah. That's, like, a substantial amount of people who, like, never do that, right? Um, yeah. It was 80, 85% of an MIT undergraduates participated in research while... Uh, while there so yeah because the thing is that uh you're guaranteed at least one semester of getting funded some people are um yeah. really i thought it was everyone no nah, it's some people it's only um some people i don't oh. think ev- i don't think everyone's guaranteed um, oh. one semester of funding oh, i see yeah it's a it's a thing you can it's a thing you get if your scholarship comes from a certain fund then you're guaranteed like a ah, i see i see stuff. so i don't think it's everybody but that happened to me but yeah yeah like uh it's so uh you know have here in our notes that getting funded your office fairly easy but let me tell you that like it's still a bitch like mm-hmm. because uh the thing is that uh it for a lot of people it's the sort of first time that you go out and i mean like this is especially true if you don't go to mit or anywhere like this right. because like i think people tend to forget here that like the whole Europe thing at MIT has pushed at you really hard. Yes, they push it, it at you like super hard. Mention right. it all the time. A lot of people do them, so you're always aware of the fact that like you know these things are around. Yeah, like very... it's, it's pretty expected in life science majors in particular that you I mean, will it's, do it. It's a almost Europe. required, right? So I mean, how else are you supposed because, to learn about anything else that you do? I mean, in there's class, also right? like you know yeah. the biology what 30 credit or something like that which can you can either take there's like three flavors of it you could either two of them are offered like every other year or something like that and that is actually go to a lab class um five days a week from like two to five oh, or or you can do a Europe and give your presentation on that yeah and yeah. a lot of people just do that yeah um, I mean, I think it has to be a credit year off. Oh yeah, say. it's a, it's a four, it's a four credit year off that you treat like you essentially do spend that same amount of time you would be in like that class that meets every day. Um, so it's like yeah, it would be go to your year off for the afternoon, but it could be a project that you started like over the summer, that yeah. kind of thing, and they're enter you know doing follow-up stuff on and you're making um your summer work and some of the new stuff you're doing more of a blended thing that forms a more especially from a biology's perspective as when you have longer time to do that you could definitely form a more complete story than you would if you're just um taking the lab class because then things get chunked into modules a lot of times and you Mm -hmm. just present on the stuff you got if it didn't work it's kind of like well that's a little less fun yeah. <laughs> giving negative results presentations it happened i've had to do it a couple times uh, it's it's it feels a little off i I just don't feel as accomplished how could i the whole negative results thing is like a huge discussion right now but like yeah. the point is that like for a lot of people i mean especially me because you know first generation didn't make a lot of money mm-hmm. didn't have a job before that i was like how the hell do i do this i don't know and so i didn't actually do it when i was a freshman even though a lot of people told me to, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I should. Um, but I managed to get one, um, and, you know, I did actually just apply to something, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought, you know, there's probably no way I'm going to get this, and then I did, mm-hmm. and I've been doing it for the last year, and it's been pretty good. Um, but it's uh, it really is a thing that is kind of difficult. It's understandable to not have a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. And, again, if you don't go to MIT or, like, something like that, if you just go to, you know, like, 
somewhere that doesn't do like pushing the thing at you a lot, which I imagine is like everywhere that doesn't maybe doesn't have as many openings or like where it is like somewhere that's fairly like, uncommon. Somewhere that's not a research institution, right? Like, because I, I mean, like, even in research institutions, it's not super common to have undergraduates. You're right. Like it's that. it's not definitely the way that they push us on is here and will somewhat deliberately leave gaps in certain classes to be like if you want to go learn about this uh you should do it you're offline it and stuff like that um that is certain it's certainly less built in other places than it is here here it's very much built into the curriculum like you really don't get a full experience in some majors without having done something yeah that's absolutely true yeah. like especially the lab uh yeah. oriented ones right but i mean i mean the thing is that uh it really is just a matter of like talking to professors actually talking to professors is very mm-hmm. i it seems to be a very difficult thing for people to do i don't know i never found it like super duper terrible well okay i take humanities classes and they're fairly small so like it's pretty easy to you talk interact to with your professor when you're in class yeah like, yeah this is not really a thing that happens in a lot of other majors this is a yep. thing i ought to recognize um here because it's much different when you're sort of forced to develop a rapport with like all of your professors because you talk to them during mm-hmm. class and it's a thing that you have to do because grade mm-hmm. right um versus you know big lecture you know and then just randomly walking up to them and be like so I really like your work I want your up please you know and I mean people do that and they have success doing that too yeah but so, you get rejected a lot too oh yeah you do because sometimes sometimes they're just not looking for it yeah, yeah. And sometimes they're like, sure. And they look at your resume and they're like, no. You, of course, get skill inflation also. Um, and as you get older, people are less and less willing to tolerate you not having experience. Yeah. Um, but especially if you're younger, like a lot of professors will be willing to sort of take a chance on you. Places like here, but probably not other places, which is also the unfortunate thing, right? Right. Like if it's uncommon for undergraduates to get like research experience, and then you walk up to the professor, you're like, I want, you know, to research with you. And they're like, mm-hmm. what experience do you have? And you say none. They're like, no, thank you. Right. Yeah, like, but how are you supposed to get that experience without a... Yeah, this this is always the... Some of it is stuff you... It, it depends, right? Because I'm thinking... Uh, so, again, I'm more, like, CS-oriented when I mm-hmm. think about this stuff and less, like, science-oriented, strictly. So I, I'm thinking about things like, you know, knowing a language, mm-hmm. being familiar with certain architecture or, like algorithmic usage well at least you could learn that you could actually learn that at home right you 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 can try shit's hard yeah but you you don't learn salt culture at home yeah you don't learn how to like you know get comfortable with operating a burette or something yeah which was something i could never get comfortable with in high school Mm -hmm. like i took a i took four years of chemistry and i i did a lot of labs right a lot of burette and pipette stuff and i was never ever comfortable with using a burette like ever yeah it's just yeah what, what are you gonna do about that i was actually talking but, to one of the one of the project managers at where i work and he was saying that yeah it is hard to hire people for this position precisely because we get a lot of applicants that have little experience with that but because they're like basically a production platform they have to take people with experience and that limited because you're pulling from a pool of people that is just kind of straight out of undergrad most of the applicants it's hard i mean the the thing is that like um a lot of it is just you know a refusal to train people on the job like the expectation is like people should come with skills already because right. that is what places are supposed to teach you like i mean in my opinion, it is far better to get, like, a general good understanding of how things operate, like, in the in the vaguer senses, right? Like, I would rather somebody come in knowing how to do computer science, mm-hmm. right? And I can just teach them a language, right. right? Like, that's not hard. That's just a thing where I, I pay them for, like, two or three months, and I, mm-hmm. and I tell them, like, look at this tutorial, do this series of things, or I'll ask you to do, like, these minute tasks until mm-hmm. you, like, build up mastery of, like, what's going on. Like, it's not that hard when you're doing it as a job, right? right? Like... Eight days a week, eight days, eight hours a day, right? <laughs> eight days a week. Eight days a week. <laughs> um, that's the MIT schedule of work for you. But um, <laughs> do eight days a week, eight days a week per week. But um, it's not that hard, right? But like, if I get somebody who doesn't know how computer science works, but they can program in Java, they're probably terrible at programming in Java. So like, it, I didn't really gain anything, mm. right, from having this person, um, because in the end, they've got to learn computer science, right? They've got to learn structure and stuff the, of of how to put together code for production and all that that you don't get from 
looking at a bunch of books you get from having the practical situations thrown at you in a program like computer science or computer system engineering, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and so like, I mean, in a lot of uh, computer science programs are just programming. Yeah. Like, and I mean, like the the thing is that um, you know, apparently other places don't agree, um, and they prefer to pe- for people to have very specific skills. This is like a thing that a lot of people complain about because you get human resources people. They're like, oh, we need to put metrics on there so we can, like, cake people out on the resumes because we want to be able to do that because reading resumes is hard and you get a lot of applications. Mm-hmm. So they put, like, all this arbitrary shit. Like, must know conceivably anything that you could ever program in. Mm-hmm. So you must know Python, Java, C++, Objective-C, OCaml, Django, Haskell, uh, I don't know, D, C Sharp. D? Really? Unity and just for kicks <laughs> Fortran because why not? Right? Like it's um it's really yeah, there's D it's a thing. I, would, I don't think I, people I honestly, use that. I honestly anymore. did not know that D was a programming language. I've yeah. heard of everything else you've said except that. Uh, I don't I don't think people use it that much. Um but like yeah, there's things like that happen, right? And so it can be very difficult um when you don't have very much going on mm-hmm. um to make that happen. Right. Uh, I can't really make that sound better for you because it sucks. I mean, <laughs> like. Well, I mean, it's. I mean, just to play um, advocate for the company standpoint, some of this is really hard when you are talking about money. Like when you are talking about, um, you actually don't want to bring in somebody into a production pipeline where you instantly have to be a master because there isn't a lot of training opportunity there. And if you fail, you are costing like thousands of dollars. But I mean, that's why you have on the job training, right? Training that doesn't put you in a situation where you actually have to do important things, mm-hmm. right? But um, because you can trust that they learn the general principles already, right. you can give them the specifics and then they do it, right? Like a lot of people, like, you know, like I've seen a lot of people complain on the internets about mm-hmm. how like they get chemical engineers, right? right. Who learn chemical engineering. And they're like, oh yeah, you know how to do this thing, right? And the chemical engineer is like, no. Mm-hmm. And they complain about it and they're like, how did they not learn this in college? Blah, 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 right. blah. And it's like, why would they? Right. <laughs> right? Because like generally a chemical engineering education in mm-hmm. college is going to involve like, Here's how you do all this difficult mathematical stuff and visualize all of these models, mm-hmm. right, of how, like, fluids flow and design, right, like, you know, the things, mm-hmm. whatever, like, in the ideal situations. Because, like, the idea is sort of, like, if there are, like, specific things that tend to happen, like, where you work, right. they will tell you about those things instead of expecting you to just know them. Yeah, and you get the concepts behind everything, so it's easier for you to pick up those specific things when you get there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a caveat, of course, is that, like... uh Stan just graduated. I haven't. So, like, really, you know, like, a good deal of this is us, you know, speculating. And I'm sure that there is, we're hitting on a lot of truths here. Yeah. But there, I'm sure there are, like, some shades of, like, things that, like, we're not really getting at here or maybe we ignore. So it's important to sort of, like, do your own research. When it comes to money, you should just do the research. Like, the information is out there. Some people right. may be trying to make it a little more difficult for you to find right. for whatever reason, but it is out there, and you should look for it. Mm-hmm. It is worth the time. Yeah. Time is money, and money is time, right? So and spend you, the time, right? Yeah, spend the time, and realize that when you go to negotiate a job offer, when you're thinking about um, how much money you should be going after, all that stuff, like, your your time is worth something, and you should you deserve to be paid uh fair you deserve to be paid a living wage oh yes a yeah i mean i get paid i get paid and i'm fairly comfortable i have an apartment that's big enough for us to sit in (laughs) kind of thing and yeah like i wouldn't have i really didn't want to take i was offered jobs that paid less than this and i didn't want to take those jobs um partially because the conditions were bad um but also you know this job did offer money and it was more comfortable and i liked it so (laughs) i'm take that so there's definitely ways to there's definitely there's always a way to make it work, right? There's all there's there's stuff out there like there's um you can even go to Reddit. They have really they have some pretty uh, decent things on personal finance stuff like that. Uh, oh God, um, let's let's not talk. about well, that. Let's either. yeah, we won't we won't talk about that. But you you can you can go you can go yeah. to the internet. You can are frugal, you know. What are you talking about? I only eat bananas every day because bananas are so cheap. Wait, our personal finance is actually eat, that bad. Only eat the banana. No, our frugal is the thing that they make a bunch of jokes about. Oh, honestly. yeah. Like, no matter what you do, don't embezzle. That's bad. There was a group of people from the tech who did this ago, a while ago, and they stole like $70,000 or something. Yeah. And uh, they went to prison. 
So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some of them went to prison. Some of them went yeah. to prison, and others of them had to pay a lot of that back. Right. Like, and then go to jail. <laughs> because so, they like, didn't pay it back. Yeah. Yeah. So, don't embezzle money. Yeah, don't don't embezzle don't embezzle money. There's more than enough money here if for a student group to do things like within the student group. Um, just like there's a lot of opportunities for student funding and all that stuff to do projects. Um, it's pretty easy actually. I mean, I'm just saying don't yeah. don't embezzle money. Yeah, then don't like, don't don't take the money I don't, that you get given for that stuff and spend it on. Yeah, I don't I don't really care how old you are, or how much you know, like responsibility you have. Don't steal money from companies because you will get destroyed every time. Um, destroyed, yep. Yeah, by the legal system. So, uh-huh. and frankly, you will kind of deserve it. So, uh-huh. with that, like very sunny note, I think we will end. Yeah. This episode. Uh, this has been Six Fists. I'm Everett. I'm Stan. And we're on iTunes now. You should yes. go subscribe to our feed. Indeed. Yeah. And uh, you can always hit us up at our website, which is sixfifthsmit.wordpress.com, and at our email, sixfifths at mit.edu. And yeah, we're all good. And uh, I think Evan fell asleep. But Evan got into grad school here. Yes. Yes. Yay. He's going to be here for the next six years. Yay. Yay. And then he'll not be here anymore. Boo. Am I going to be here for the next six years? I hope not. I, I hope, hope not. you move on. I hope you move on. What Evan, I- wake up. <laughs> I think the episode's over. Wake up. <laughs> I think the episode's over. Evan. <laughs>